Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Go back a few decades and anyone who expressed an interest in what were then known as UFOs were often discounted as nutcases, but gradually that has changed, especially since NASA and the Pentagon announced last year uh, that they had conducted investigations and NASA is to establish uh, another investigation into what now are known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAPs. Dr Eamon Ansborough is an astronomer who works with the European Space Agencies, but who has been researching this area for many years. Good afternoon, Eamon. Uh, good afternoon, John. Uh, so when you started, this was, uh, uh, you, you were informed that people had seen lights in the sky in, in, in Skull, around the area of Skulls. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, well, it was the director of the Skull Planetarium that alerted me to lights in the sky over a three-year period. And because of my professional background in meteorology for some years and dealing with atmospheric physics and also astronomy as well, um, I said, well, let me have a look at it. I may be able to answer some questions. Unfortunately, I couldn't because uh, I really had to meet uh, physically uh, people that had witnessed, uh, you know, these objects. Uh, but I was totally, totally confused after about 12 months. And but they were all, you know, I was going to say normal people, you know, solicitors, mm. farmers, restaurateurs, etc. Um, but I felt, you know, I think it's worth looking at this further. Right. And, and you, so, so I assume from what you're saying there that after you'd carried out interviews with various people, you couldn't ascribe it to any sort of natural phenomena or a satellite or airplane lights or anything of that nature. That's correct. Yeah, I went through everything. It was a process of elimination and I was just left with a, a puzzle. Right. OK, so what did you do then when you were left with that puzzle? What, what were your steps well, in trying to solve yeah, it? Yeah, well, the, ne- the next step, uh, well, it took a while to try and solve it. Uh, the next step was actually to to see was this worldwide. It wasn't just uh, here in the southwest of Ireland mm. or Ireland in general. So I got on to uh, US, French and UK centres that would deal with this kind of stuff. And I, I ended up with about 30,000 reports going back oh, it, it, even to the late 19th century, I think it was. Um, so it was from the computerised data that I... Um, was beginning to think, oh, gosh, this seems to be a common feature worldwide, not just, uh, you know, in Europe and, and the Americas. Uh, and what the commonalities in the sense of what people reported that they saw? Uh, yes, uh, very similar characteristics uh, throughout uh, certainly Europe and the US. And then I found out much later in the Far East that we're seeing the same uh, type of phenomena as well. Mm, what kind of characteristics are they? Um, well, usually starting off, uh, you it might manifest as a, like a plasma ball um, or a, some sort of construct that could be cylindrical um, and c- can take uh, different shapes, which was very intriguing at the time, uh, you know, a triangular type shape, a cylindrical type shape, and even the classical flying saucer type shape as well. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and But could change... So were people saying that they saw an object... That might have been circular and then it became triangular. Uh, Not necessarily. Uh, You're quite right there. There has been morphing taking place with some of these constructs. Uh, But on all, uh, one has seen uh, the same type of construct, you know, maybe a sphere, a disc or, say, a triangle. And in these reports, what way did these objects move? Um, Well, 
they could be around, say, observed for about uh, minutes in time. Uh, th they would also be seen uh, moving around extremely fast velocities and doing the most unaerodynamical type of, of movements you, you could dream of, you know, squaring upon themselves, you know, normally aircraft is, you know, going curves, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so this was really intriguing, um, I think, over the period with a lot of the researchers. Right. Okay. And, and so, right. So you have a lot of reports from around the world. I assume, though, that doesn't get you any any closer to explaining what it is, other than there seems to be a lot of it about. Well, I think as a scientist, uh, you know, you, you know, the typical scientist is trained to uh, observe an experiment. So I treated it as a, an outside experiment, like you would do in astronomy, astrophysics. Um, so I had a, an astrophysical approach to this uh, without instrumentation, because, you, you know, there's no point designing instrumentation for something you don't know what you're going to deal with. Mm. Uh, you want to get you know, thousands of reports and try and analyze them. So actually, that's what I did. And I was trying to figure out whether any patterns and cycles to this. And it took me about three years working on a model with another um, scientist as well. And we had a lot of a lot of failures. And we couldn't figure out, well, you know, the, the, there's there's something to it. But ha, ha, anyway, one day, we'll put it this way, uh, we actually cracked it. We actually worked out a theoretical model for this, uh, which was testable as well. Okay. And uh, so that was really key. And this is a typical approach you would take in, in you know, an astrophysical approach, you know, coming up with theories, models for something first before you go on to anything else. Right. Now, when you say a pattern or a cycle, does that mean that, that, that you, you were able to come up with a model where you were able to say, these craft or whatever they are will appear in within a particular time frame or uh, you know able to define what those intervals are okay yeah well in fact it's quite a, a quite a, a complex uh, model but anyway i'll get <laughs> i'll put over very simply <laughs> yes, what we discovered <laughs> what we discovered was that the uh, there was orbital tracks around the Earth we had discovered, something like 660, and they intersected at particular locations around the Earth. And <clears throat> But also what was intriguing is that this didn't follow your typical natural uh, trajectory of satellites. So uh, we put in the model uh, something you would never do. is like, well, let's synchronize all the orbits with the rotation of the Earth. And just to our amazement, it actually worked. But it took us about five or six years before we cracked it. And uh, so then the next stage was, uh, OK, with all the data that we've been putting in, you know, from many places, it, it definitely sort of fit the, fitted the model. So the next uh, exciting part back in the, the mid-1990s was actually to work out computerized um, uh, uh, timing graphs to see if uh, these events would occur at specific locations at sp specific times within the qualifying limits of the theory itself, which was plus or minus 20 minutes. So we actually tested it out, and sure enough, it actually worked. Uh, we got an 80% fit, and then we tried it in seven other countries at 27 locations, and again, we were getting similar um, results. Right, and so what then what you, the two of you, managed to go and identify... Were these objects that were uh, uh, that are kind of on the same, t uh, um, uh, if you like, height as satellites are, or are they in our atmosphere? 
Yeah, again, we had to hypothesize a lot of this stuff. And, you know, this is typically when you're dealing with in, in astronomy or physics. Mm. Uh, so we hypothesized that, okay, if we're dealing with some sort of intelligent sort of construct here, um, they may be stealth at a particular height yeah, within our atmosphere. So we thought, well, maybe it's some sort of large sort of construct, maybe in the strat upper stratosphere, that delivers these, we'll call them probes, all right, uh, down to lower altitudes. And this is what typically what observers are seeing, witnesses are seeing uh, for a number of minutes. And then on another orbital track, uh, there would be a, re a retrieval sort of program going on. And again, it was purely a hypothesis now, all this. Mm. It doesn't mean it's actually doing this. But it actually did fit the model, what we were talking about. Right. So does that, that did that lead you to infer or to conclude even that these are craft of some sort that they that they're they're being operated either remotely or from inside by some sort of intelligence? Uh, yes, uh, we're convinced that uh, this was an intelligently orchestrated to provide a controlled autonomous surveillance of the Earth, and this is not new now because uh, Professor James MacDonald in 1968 at the government U.S. Senate hearings, he, he concluded after two or three years with his team that there's some sort of surveillance going on. And actually, he was an inspiration for me many, many, many years later, of course, when I checked up on his stuff. So then we, we actually, uh, as I said, tested this out a number of locations. We did get recordings and so forth. And we even got <laughs> presented it to SETI, uh, without using the UFO word because mm. it was uh, a no-no area, and also to the uh, bioastronomy in the European Space Agency, and uh, sure enough, we got our got the papers published. You know, uh, so. right? Okay, good. Uh, and uh, so, so you you were at the point now where you obviously had done such a body of work that it was being you weren't being laughed out of it or anything like that. Well, you know, it's like everything else in society. You know, there is a consensus of reality. This doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, even with scientists, you know, they frown upon this area. So you could say we were pioneering this uh, way back then mm. uh, without even the public knowing about what we were up to uh, because I wanted to keep extremely low keys in this area uh, until, you know, the uh, society and governments would actually pick up on this. And it's only happened in the last four or five years now, as you know, with the, yeah. the New York Times piece in December 2017 and the Pentagon saying, yeah, we're researching this out and so forth. Now, now, just going back to what you were saying about this seemed to be, if you like, and and forgive me if I'm phrasing this wrong, but mother craft, if you like, that, that are circling the Earth on particular flight paths. Is it? Do, do they cover the entire planet? By which I mean, if there is this is some kind of surveillance, are they more interested in certain parts of the uh, of the planet rather than others, or all parts equally, as far as you can ascertain? Yeah, well, that was that's an intriguing question. Yeah, I had looked into that uh, back twenty years ago, and it seems actually there's a correlation, or sort of, should I say, there's a uh, a significant correlation with highways. You know, with uh, uh, our modern structures of highways, you know, roadways um, is one. And also there's a certain percentage dealing with um, uh, megalithic um, 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 areas you know, mm. around the earth as well, which is throughout the globe as well. Um, so they seem to be the two key things. But another interesting thing, uh, John, is that 
the there's a submersible aspect to it as well. It's not just in the atmosphere, but they also submerge as well. They're submersible, you know, in lakes, oceans, etc. And that's been confirmed by by the U.S. government in the DOD in the last three years. Yeah. Do, do I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it, it seems to be the evidence so far is that there, there have been uh, sightings of unidentified phenomena uh, on the sea, but it's not as if like they're coming out of the sea and flying into the air or vice versa, or is that not the case? Well, they've only been recorded going into the sea. Now, either, uh, well, actually, there, there was a US uh, DOD one there back, what was it, two, three years ago, which showed it submerging into the sea. Uh-huh. Uh, but And it literally was hovering over the sea and from this warship that was there. Um, so, yeah, there is a, there's a connection definitely with water and also in the atmosphere as well. Right. And from the sightings that you personally have had, are they all the same shape? Do they do they vary much? Uh, yes, the sightings and recordings that we've obtained in the last uh, what twenty yeah about twenty years now, uh, we've got um, the spheres, we've got dumbbells, a dumbbell shape, and also we've got um, uh, the cylindrical type of construct as well, cylindrical like a well you know a cylinder mm, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. And, and uh, are there any indications of do the different shapes have any different functions? Well, I, I, I've only ever done an analysis on the, cylind- uh, on the uh, cylindrical type, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what type of propulsion system could be used here. And in fact, with the multiple, um, uh, how shall I put it, interviews with people that have uh, had close range to the cylindrical type, and we've also got the recording of one of these on a previous time, is showing that there's some sort of plasma around the actual craft and a really high energy type of propulsion system, nearly on the scale of a nuclear uh, uh, device inside, you know, for propelling the, the, the whole system, because you get these emissions outside the actual construct as well, which would indicate that there's a powerful sort of energy behind this. Right. Okay. And I suppose the question is, why, if, if it is... I mean, would you be fairly convinced that this this is alien intelligence or maybe not? I really don't know. I, I, all I do know is that um, in in all the data that we have got together, you know, thousands and thousands of people, uh, we, can know, we can go back to the Roman times where there were seen metal shields in the sky, mm. uh, you know, which, you know, in those days, you can imagine uh, that's the way they interpreted it. But even we've had interpretations back in the 18, uh, what was it, 90s in both Indonesia and the UK of triangular type craft, which would indicate that, well, you know, we've been seeing the triangular craft even in modern times, you know, not just back in the 18, 19, 1890s. Anyway, to try to answer your question, is this <laughs> is this an intelligence behind? Well, yes, there's an intelligence behind all this. Um, and I suspect, and now this is pure speculation, sure. that I think this goes back before we even arrived on the scene. Right, okay. You mean, yeah, I suppose, well, we are in wild speculation that they may have arrived here before we evolved or they may have been here before us. Well, again, highly speculative, but I, <laughs> I, I'll stick my head out. But I, I think they were already here. It's like you know, 
Okay, that line's gone down. That was the that was like the creepiest end to an interview I've ever done. Uh, really, just when we were kind of getting Already? to the oh yes, you're back. Sorry, you cut out there for a, for a moment, Eamon. Sorry, the the but presumably though they know that we know about them now. Uh, yeah, I think there could be a waiting game here going on. In other words, our perception has been rather. Uh, you know, within the consensus reality for mm. some years. You know, it's very similar in history, you know, to the time of Copernicus, you know, back in the 15th century, you know, coming out with the, you know, we're, we're not the centre of the universe. And so yeah, so at his deathbed, he came out with his book and, of course, you know, saying, well, you know, we go around the sun. And then you have the likes of Galileo then, you know, trying to prove to the cardinals, you know, that <laughs> many other things, and they wouldn't look through his telescope because they accepted the consensus reality, that paradigm of thinking, that perception. And similarly, we, we, it's, a, it's a normal, natural situation with human beings, you know, that are hypnotized in, you know, <laughs> over a period of time that we, we act as a, a consensus reality on a particular, say, subject, and therefore we, we believe it. So like with UFOs, we don't believe UFOs because, well, they don't exist. Well, certainly with scientists anyway, but when you uh, drill down with uh, individuals, they very much uh, have that experience with a, a UFO. You know? Yeah, Eamon, thanks a million for uh, speaking with us today. That was uh, Dr. Eamon Ansborough there, uh, who is an astronomer who works with the European Space Agency. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.